This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Good afternoon, everyone. Why do people go to church? Well, we could spend some time asking our friends and neighbours, those that do go to church, why they go to church. I took a bit of a shortcut, um, and I, I did a little search on the computer for somebody who had already done the legwork, and they'd um, made, in 2012, they conducted four studies, and, and then uh, they've written down the results for us. The results come in the uh, form of percentages, which we'll just sort of refer to that in a minute. But I'm going to just read out some of the reasons, the top few reasons that came out of these four studies, why people said um, that they attended church. So, for example, the, the top one of the list uh, was spiritual growth, um, 23%. That gets you thinking, that, doesn't it? 23%, spiritual growth. Uh, Keep grounded was the next one, 20%. My faith, 15%. To worship God, just 15%. Um, fellowship, 13%. Believe in God and the religion, 12%. Um, and, and finally, uh, I was brought up that way. So because it was a tradition in my family, I, I go to church. So those are the top few Ideas express why, why people attend church. Now, I think there's a couple of comments before we move on that we could perhaps make observations on that. But number one, I, I find it very concerning that out of all those, in the, the top few reasons that people would like to offer, that on the spiritual growth, we're only talking about less than a quarter of the, the total church-going population would say that they attend church for, for spiritual growth. Having said that, all bar the bottom one, which is brought up that way, are relevant and, and have some merit. And we'll perhaps be touching on some of these as we progress. Um, the other cautionary point that I'd like to make about statistics and surveys like this is that when it's expressed in percentages, when we look at the Bible, of course, we, we don't have things expressed to us in that way. We're, they're not ranked like these are ranked. This is the top reason. We will hopefully, God willing, as we progress through this Bible talk this afternoon, we will be looking at a number of different scriptures um, that offer reasons, give us reasons why it's a good thing, why we ought to go to church. But they don't have a... Um, a bracket after them saying this is the most important reason that you must go to church and we rate this at sort of 50%. There's no ranking in that way. But there are several different reasons and all of them are relevant. That's my point. All of them are relevant. So we will visit a number of different places. And rather than relying on the, um, the opinions of a number of neighbours and friends and colleagues. As Christadelphians, as most of you will be well aware, we will always turn to the scriptures and say, well, it's more important for us now to think, well, what does the Bible say about this? Uh, what's the Bible's point of view about why we ought 
to attend church rather than just asking my friend why they attend church. What's the Bible's perspective on this? And and as Christadelphians, we we endeavour as a Bible-believing community to go back to first century Christianity. What was it like in the days of the apostles? And, and what sort of traditions did they set up? Not, not traditions of men, that's different. That's different. Not what did men decide to put in place and build great big churches. There's no instructions about that. You won't find that anywhere. Please build me a great big cathedral. There's not even a hint of it in the Bible. But we'll come to that later on. So, as a first reason why we ought to go to to church, I'd like to say, well, let's think about precedent. We're going to look at what did the first century disciples and apostles, what did they actually do? What do we observe them doing as we read our Bibles? So, if you'd like to turn with me in your Bibles, please. Um, There are many, many references. We could multiply the references, but for for ease uh, and for time constraints we'll we'll just go to a couple that give us the idea what we're looking at let's turn to Paul's letter uh, first letter to the the Corinthians shall we and in chapter 1 right at the beginning of the chapter and we get the uh, as we call the salutation the introduction the hello verse 1 Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. So that's his introduction. We'd like to sort of emphasise then um, in verse two that Paul is writing this letter to the church of God, which is at Corinth. Corinth. So there is a church at Corinth, um, but notice specifically to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. It's it's what we call in English a, a, a metonymy, when, when, when something stands for something else. I hope I've got that right. It, something stands for something else. The church, when he says he's writing a letter to the church, he's not writing a letter to the bricks and mortar, is he? is writing a letter to the people that are gathered together. And which is why we have there that it's those that are sanctified or made holy in Christ Jesus called to be saints. I know it's topical because I just heard it on the, the radio today, how that Mother Teresa is, is now going to be um, nominated by the Pope as to be made into a saint. But that's not the, the Bible way of expressing things. Everybody, everybody who is a believer in Jesus Christ, who puts on um, in the waters of baptism that gospel message, puts on, as we say, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a saint in Bible terminology. We have it there. He's writing this letter to the saints. And and if we uh, believe the gospel... That word of the gospel message concerning the kingdom of God and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are sanctified in God's sight. We are made holy by believing these things. So, 
The letter is written to a church at Corinth, to those who are sanctified, to the people that meet together. And, and that's important. Now, we'll turn to one more. Um, the, the similar introduction comes at the beginning of 2 Corinthians. So we'll miss that one out and we'll come to 1 Thessalonians. Let's turn over a few pages then. Galatians and Ephesians and Philippians, Colossians and Thessalonians. The first uh, letter to Thessalonians, chapter 1, and again, right at the beginning, verse 1. Paul, again, and Silvanus, and Timotheus, unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he often introduces his letters in this way. It's to the church that is, at, in this case, at Thessalonica, and before it was at Corinth. And in the Corinthians reference, it said, in every place. So there's like these groups of people, the saints, according to the scriptures, that are in lots of different towns, different locations. And, and they constitute the church. A little bit more to say about that later on so I've got down here the two Thessalonians one has the same I'd like to just go for one more for a particular reason um, if you could keep turning a few more pages and I'd like you to try the, uh, the, the reference to Philemon find the book to Philemon now, often it's easier to find the book of Hebrews first and then just come back a page and we find the, the very small letter of Paul to Philemon uh, there is only one chapter, and we're going to look at verse 1 and 2. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow labourer, and to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to this church in thy house. Now, the reason I want to go to this one is that it specifically tells us that it was the church was in the house of this, this particular brother. Um, and, and so, again, we, we sort of emphasise the point we don't need a bricks and mortar fancy church with stained glass windows and statues and ornaments. That, that's not the scriptural way, we believe. Here, we just have a meeting place. In this case, it was in somebody's house. And it would appear that many of these early churches were in the believers' houses. If they had a, a suitable size room, then there would be, it would enable a gathering to take place. And well, again, like I say, we'll come to it. But the, the place wasn't important. What was important was the people that congregated together to, to read the letter of the Apostle Paul and so on. So our first reason then for why people go to church or should be the reason because these are the scriptural reasons that we're now looking at is that there is a good scriptural precedent that this is the, the habit, this is what happened and we can see that from the references that we've been to. Let's look at one or two more. Let's come to the book of Acts please and we can see... Um, how the early disciples and apostles gathered themselves together. Let's look at the, the principle. I said Acts, yes. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. So early days, Jesus has ascended to heaven and the disciples embark on their ministry 
uh, and work of preaching the gospel message to all that have ears to hear. So Acts 2, let's look at verse 40 to 42. And we read there, it um, says at the top of my Bible, Peter's sermon. So this is the address of Peter. And with many other words did he, Peter, testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then when they that gladly received his word were baptised, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls or 3,000 people. And they continued, these newly converted believers, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Uh, and then just, just cast right down to verse 44 and 7, we'll read those verses as well. And all that believed were together. You see, this was the habit, they came together. This is what they did. And all that believed were together and had all things common. They sold their possessions in actual fact here and goods and parted them to all men uh, as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord, I've emphasised that with one accord, there's this sense of belonging together, pulling together with one mind and one attitude. In the temple and breaking bread from house to house. This is their custom, this is what they did. They didn't need a big church. They met in people's houses. Um, from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. You see, we've got a few things. We've got a few points there, haven't we? Perhaps if we could work backwards. Um, again, these aren't ranked like a survey we're not conducting a survey here these are reasons as, as they are presented to us in the scriptures but verse 47 says it's about praising God isn't it it's about devoting our lives to our Lord Jesus Christ and, and having that opportunity collectively to praise God and having faith with all the people so there's a, a very good reason we see how in verse 46 that they went from house to house and, and broke bread. Well, we'll come to that particular commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ in a minute or two. But this was their custom. We're going back to that first century and seeing how did they do it. What was the manner that they conducted themselves in? I love this verse 44. And, and all that believed were together and had all things common. Let's just stop for a second and, and just think. It, it's very natural, isn't it, for, for people of a similar mind to gather together. I mean, we, you've all got friends. I've got friends who are into a particular sport or a particular activity uh, or whatever it might be, and you naturally form alliances and connections with people who are interested in the same thing as you. And, and you all of a sudden have a, a fantastic conversation. I really like cycling, not competition, you understand. But I really enjoy cycling. So if I meet somebody who likes cycling, we have a connection. And, and people who are really keen on that, they form a cycling club. And they go out together. You meet them on the road when they block the road, don't you? <laughs> um, but they have an affinity with each other. And, and that happens, it's quite natural, isn't it? So on a spiritual level, it's quite natural, isn't it? If, if people believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ 
then they will naturally want to gather together to praise God, to give thanks to God, to worship God in the way that he, he wants us to. So it's quite a natural thing to happen. And here, of course, we, we see it. They, they met together and they had all things common. A lovely expression, isn't it? They were all pulling in the same direction. They were all encouraging one another to walk according to God's ways. Let's turn a few more pages um, to, to chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 and verse 24. And being let go, so here this is, um, there have been Peter and John had been uh, preaching in verse 19. And um, the, the, the elders didn't think much to that and they tried to prevent them and they'd healed this man, verse 22 for the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was achieved and they they let go and they went to their own company so out, out of all the people that existed in the city of Jerusalem there was a certain number of people that they uh, identified with which were called their own company well this obviously is a reference to the same group of people this is the believers it was their habit to meet together to share their experiences to to talk to each other and to encourage one another in the lord's ways um so come down to verse 24 and, and when they'd heard that uh, they lifted up their voice to god with one accord so they're all together and they lift up their voice with one accord like when we say a prayer together or when we sing a hymn together they lift up their voice to god with one accord and said lord thou art god which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is so th this was their habit they, they shared their preaching experiences um when they went to their own company We'll just go for one, one more in this um, connection. Turn over a few more pages to Acts and chapter 20. Like I say, we can go to lots of different references and we're just picking out uh, a few here to, to make the point. Acts 20, verse 6 to 8. So top of my Bible it's saying Paul goes to Macedonia. Uh, verse 5, these going before tarried for us at Troas, and we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and came unto them to Troas in five days, uh, where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, uh, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And so the, the account goes on. We'll just read verse 8. And there were many uh, lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. So we're obviously emphasising this gathering together. And again, like I said, the first reason is there is a precedent. This is the way that the disciples and the apostles did things then, at the beginning. They didn't need a separate large building. They met round people's houses and they met and gathered themselves together. And, and it wasn't important where they met, but it was important that they did meet together. In this case, we can see that the precedent of meeting together on the first day of the week. 
um, when the disciples came together for a particular reason, to break bread, to break bread. So there we have a, a number of scriptures that show to us and demonstrate that there is good scriptural precedent for believers in Christ to gather themselves together. Nowhere particular, but it is important that they, they come together. And this one here makes a connection with our next main reason, which is because we are specifically told to do so. The Lord Jesus Christ, and if we um, say we are going to be disciples of the Lord Jesus and we want to be obedient to our Lord's instructions, then when we see an instruction from him to, to break bread, uh, like we have them doing so here, then that's important to us. We follow our Lord's instructions. So let's come back to the Gospel of Luke, please. Luke chapter 22 Obviously, the uh, sacrifice of the Lord Jesus, his crucifixion, his death and his resurrection are central to the gospel message. And, and then he ascended to heaven and he said he is going to come back. But in the meantime, he's instituted this feast, which we call the Lord's Supper. And he's asked that all his or commanded that all his disciples uh, remember him. In this specific way. So Luke 22. Let's look at verse. Uh, let's come back to verse 15. Let's come back to verse 15 through to about verse 19. And Jesus said unto his disciples. With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you. Now there's that. I know we're stopping very frequently here. But all these little phrases are so important aren't they? Jesus has a desire to be with his disciples. So if we turn that round as his disciples, we ought to have a desire to be with one another because we should be of the same mind. And in this way we meet with the Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was absent, he can see us. And we'll come to that in a second. He wants to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Verse 16, For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this, divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, the disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you. And notice this, this do in remembrance of me. There's not many words, but it is a command. This do in remembrance of me. This is a command to his disciples to remember him in this particular way. When we were a moment ago in the, um, the Acts of the Apostles, then this is what they were doing. They gathered themselves together to break bread on the first day of the week. So this is to, to break bread, to drink wine, to share that spiritual feast one with another, to remember the work of their Lord and Master. And this was important. In, in God's wisdom, in, in Jesus' wisdom, he knew that this would be important. That they came out of the world, that they gathered themselves together, and they shared this simple meal together to be encouraged. So th th there's another very strong scriptural reason. It was a specific instruction of the Lord Jesus to remember him in this way. Um, come with me through to 
Ephesians and chapter 2. We're thinking, we're still focused on instructions, right, as our second reason here. So Paul's letter to the Ephesians and, and chapter 2. We're introduced to a, a new phrase here, not just as the church that it was in Corinth or Thessalonica. Let's look at Ephesians 2 and, and verse 19. Where we, we read there, for those people who are baptised and have put on the Lord Jesus Christ in, uh, in the waters of baptism. Verse 19, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. There's that phrase again, the saints. And of the household of God. That's a really important phrase, we believe, the household of God. So when we... When we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and we are baptised and we make that commitment to be his disciple and to follow his commandments, to be obedient to him, we, we join a new household. What do families do? What do households generally do? Well, they generally live in the same house, don't they? That's, that's the whole idea of the word household, those that live together in the same house. That's my little household. There's me and there's my wife and there's one of my daughters and the other two have escaped. But that's my little household. So when the believers come together, that is God's household, the saints. They meet together and, and as a family and they belong together. So there's a reason that they, they meet together in this way. Um, and another phrase that we haven't really got time to look at is that they, they are adopted sons and daughters of the living God. And family looks after each other, don't they? That's the idea, isn't it? That family looks after each other. And that's what uh, all the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ should be doing. Turn with me to uh, 1 Timothy. Paul's letter to Timothy, young man, who had a responsibility towards uh, the church. And Paul is reminding him of this. Chapter 4, 1 Timothy in chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 11 to 13. These things command and teach. Paul says to Timothy, he's been t giving him this uh, list of spiritual things. And he says, you need to communicate these things to the believers. So, yeah, verse 11. These things command and teach. Now, just logically think about that. These things command. Who is he going to teach them to? Who is he going to command? Is he going to stand there in isolation and, and shout to nobody? Of course not. He's going to be commanding and teaching believers who are assembled in front of him. That's the implication, isn't it? That those are gathered together. Read on into verse 12. Let no man despise thy youth. So obviously he was a young man. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in love, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So again, think about the implications. Be an example. Well, that means people are going to observe you. How are people going to observe you if they don't see you, if you're not gathered together? I know that other people, like we said earlier on uh, this morning, other people around about us can always witness and see how we behave and how we talk and where we go. But here... Timothy is being told you need to teach, you need to command, you need to be an example to the, the believers. And verse 13, 
until I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. So we're given three specifics here. On this particular occasion, we're given three specific activities that the Apostle Paul is saying, when you are assembled together, give attendance to these things. Or in, in other words, give attention Give your attention. It means give your mind, draw your mind to these things. That's what's behind this phrase here. To bring your mind to, to these things, these three things there. To read the scriptures. To, to listen to exhortations or encouragement. And, and to doctrine. Well, that's a word that means teaching, isn't it? The teaching of the Lord Jesus. This is what the believers are supposed to do when they are gathered together. And, and in that way, of course, all the believers will benefit because they're all being encouraged and, and upbuilt, as we say, in their faith. Lastly, uh, with this second reason uh, of instructions why we ought to go to church because we are instructed to do so can you turn with me to the epistle of hebrews in chapter 10 this comes in in a way um the context of actually being a warning if you like but it tells us that we should definitely be meeting together as believers in the lord jesus christ and this is a good reason why we ought to because we're told that we, we ought to do so so we'll read that um, Hebrews 10 let's read verse 24 so let's come at verse 23 let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised God is faithful that promised and, and let us consider one another so here's that relationship here's that family bond again let us consider one another to provoke that's an interesting use of the phrase, isn't it? Normally provoke uh, has rather negative connotations to it. But it, it means to incite or to stimulate, to, to stimulate each other to spiritual activity, um, to, pro, to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day Approaching. So another very specific instruction that the believers ought to go to church, to, to, to assemble together as that community of believers. Uh, it says that the manner of some was that they would neglect it, they would forget about it, they didn't think it was that important. And there's a great lesson for us in this. In God's wisdom, he has said, through the writers of the Hebrews, that we must not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It's an important, crucial aspect of the believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move on perhaps to our third main reason. And, and that is that, like we're saying, God's wisdom, he has said that it ought to happen this way. And, and that is for our benefit, because God loves us. Now, we already mentioned, and we went to 1 Timothy, where Paul said to Timothy, uh, give attendance or give attention to reading, exhortation and doctrine. Well, that benefits all those who are gathered together. As long as everybody's tuned in and listening, then you're going to be benefiting from what is said, hopefully. 
So that's, that's a spiritual benefit to meeting together. Um, it's, it's about nourishment, isn't it? And we, we had that in our original statistics, didn't we? Spiritual growth, that 23% at the top there. It's about being nourished spiritually, isn't it? And, and that's how we achieve that, by reading the word of God, by listening to exhortations and encouragement to, from one another, and by giving attendance to his teaching, Jesus' teaching, doctrine, uh, in the AV version. Uh, come with me to Paul's letter back to the Corinthians, please, and this time chapter 14, 1 Corinthians in chapter 14. Um, and the Apostle Paul there uses a specific word to encapsulate this, this benefit that we all experience and obtain by God's grace when we meet together. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 23 to 25. If therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those that are unlearned, that means they don't know the gospel, or unbelievers, they will not say, sorry, excuse me, will they not say that ye are mad? But if all prophesy and there come in one that believeth not, or one that is unlearned, he is convinced of all by what he sees, he is judged of all. And thus the secrets of his heart are made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God. There's a priority there, isn't it? Worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So here we have a situation where in verse 23, the whole company of believers, the whole church, remember it's the people, become together into one place. It doesn't matter where that place is. I know I've said that a few times, but it's really important. It doesn't matter where that place is, but they are come together and they are publishing the gospel. And, and others are invited to come and to listen. And he says, and, and the way what you say and what you do are important. They make an impact on what people see and what they hear. And by what they witness, they will make up their opinions about what you're saying and whether they agree with you. And in this case, uh, they will be convinced and they will fall down and worship God and want to join you to worship God and to follow in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus. So there are benefits because we, we can publish the gospel to others and they can come and enjoy uh, and benefit from that race to eternal life as sometimes we refer to it. Uh, look at verse 26. I'm not sure I'm going to just check that out. Verse, Come down to verse 26. Yes. How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, let all things be done unto edifying. And there's that special phrase that the Apostle Paul used, let all things be done unto edifying. When you come together, he says it's all about building up. The idea here is to be built up and so it's about the benefits again so that's our third reason the, the benefits I'm going to add one, one more squeeze one more um, benefit and uh, this is an interesting one and perhaps one that certainly I didn't think of immediately but when I reflected on it I thought it's worth putting in <laughs> you know when you've got your family in the household it never goes smoothly does it not all the time you have smooth spells and then all of a sudden there'll be some sort of family crisis and there'll be a falling out uh, or a disagreement of, of some sort. Never seems to go 100% smooth. It's, 
it's the way we are, isn't it? It's, it's called being human. Um, so, in God's wisdom, he has instructed, as we said before, the believers to meet in his name and assemble together. Now, he's not saying, he's saying that there are going to be lots and lots of benefits, but he's not saying that it's going to be 100% smooth ride either. And, and so what we have here, um, turn, well, we're in Corinthians, aren't we? Let's go back to chapter 11 for a second, and we'll just see how that we're supposed to help each other out as the household of God, but recognising that there are going to be hiccups along the way. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, let's read verse 17 to 20. Paul says, now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together. So they are assembled together. Ye come together, which is good, not for the better, but for the worse. Something's gone wrong. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. Verse 19, for there must also be heresies or some sort of apostasy where people get wrong ideas and wrong teaching for there must also be heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you so there's a sort of a trial process going on here there's, there's a sort of a testing ground here it's saying yes you're all gathered together as believers but unfortunately along the way there are going to be hiccups where things go wrong and some might even teach different and wrong things which the the, uh, the av version calls heresies um, but it's for a reason. It's for a reason. It follows, doesn't it, that they which are approved may be made manifest. It's, it's to exercise our minds so that those that are determined to follow the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in its purity, as the apostles taught it at the beginning in the first century, that they can do that. And then those that choose a different way will pursue their own way but that process that interaction is important and that's part of being a family and, and God recognizes that this will go on it's a training ground in other words when the, the believers meet together it's a training ground when they exist as a family together um, on the positive side of that we'll just go for one more reference since I'll squeeze that one in uh, Galatians 6 Verse 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfil the law of Christ. So that's the positive side, isn't it? As a family, as a household of God, when we meet together, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfil the law of Christ. So there's our next reason. Benefits. God in his wisdom said, meet together. Now, once or twice I've, I've um, talked about the church that we don't need. There is no instructions in the scriptures to build a magnificent edifice, which people refer to as a church. We've said all the way along that God's instructions through the Apostle Paul and so on are for the saints, for the believers themselves. And when I've been reading church, you might think I'm going off a bit of a digression, but I do think it's important. 
that we understand that this word church actually has a very important meaning. It, it, it is better, and, and many Christadelphians do this anyway, we, we refer to it as an ecclesia. In the original Greek, it's the word ecclesia. And, and that has a meaning. It means called out once. Called out once. And so again, it puts the emphasis in the right place. The emphasis is not on a building. The emphasis is on the people according to God's purpose. Just turn with me, please, to um, Acts of the Apostles again and, and chapter 15. We're just going for one reference in this, and it's something for you to think about. We're not dwelling on it for long. But in Acts 15, when Paul had, uh, and Peter had been preaching to the Gentiles, the, the non-Jewish people, we come to, when they'd all met together to discuss this in Jerusalem, and read verse 13 and 14 of Acts 15. And, and after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, Men and brethren, hearken to me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to, to take out of them a people for his name. This is what it's all about. This is the whole point of the gospel message being preached to whoever has ears to hear, that they meet together, that they form a people or a community of people that are taken out of the world and that they come to the Lord Jesus Christ to believe and to be obedient to the call of the gospel. And, and this is the meaning of that word church. It's not a reference to a particular building. That's not important. But this is important that they are called out. And so when um, some people read the word ecclesia instead of church, it, it just makes you think of that particular message. And whichever way we do it, it's important that we understand that that word ecclesia or the word church means it's the community of people that are called out according to the purpose of God. I'd just like to wind things up by coming back to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. Because you'll probably be wondering, I wonder why we had that reading uh, in chapter 4 of John. I wonder what the connection is to tonight's subject. Well, it's really in the, the latter part of the, the verses that we went to. I'd, I'd like to read um, verse 20 to 24. This discussion that the Lord Jesus is having with this woman of Samaria um, about that water of life, it touches on what we've just been saying uh, let's just read it let's just come to verse 21 jesus saith unto her woman believe me the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at jerusalem worship the father see jerusalem was a very special place wasn't it and, and jesus is saying to the woman it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whether it's in jerusalem or where you are he says, that's not the main point. Verse 22, ye worship, ye know not. What? We know what we worship. That's the Jews. For salvation is of the Jews. Jesus himself was a Jew, wasn't he? But the hour cometh, and now is, when the, the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit. So here's this emphasis on worship. Worship the Father in spirit and in truth. That's like in sincerity and in truth. It's a quote from Joshua, isn't it? shall worship the father in spirit and in truth for the father seeketh such to worship him he's calling out this community of people to worship him and he seeks these individuals to to worship him verse 24 god is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth 
So it emphasises the point, the point of going to here is that it doesn't matter, we don't have to go to Jerusalem, we don't have to have pilgrimages to a particular holy place, that's not the point. The point is that God seeks individuals to worship him in spirit and in truth. So, thank you for listening. Our hope and our prayer is that you will respond to that call of the gospel to join his ecclesia, his household, and to worship him in spirit and truth, uh, being edified and built up and attending to, to reading, to exhortation and to doctrine. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Mm-hmm.